The Fake Show is brought to you by Brew City Brand, Hutchison and Stefan, The Food Connection, LV.com, and by Mr. Antenna. It's The Fake Show with Jim Tofty. Well, nominations for the 90th Annual Academy Awards were recently announced, and Chicago Sun-Times movie critic Richard Roper is taking some valuable time to join me on The Fake Show to talk about his predictions and more. Good morning to you, Richard. How are you? Jim, how you doing? Is this uh, the most exciting time of the year for you? It's, uh, it's, you know, like it's January and February madness. It's like, you know, the playoff season for me, you know, where we start off with the awards toward the beginning of the year, and then it goes all the way through uh, the Oscars first weekend in March. I don't know, 15 or 20 years ago, I don't remember there being the term awards season so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you're right, you know, I mean, it really, it was like, it was basically, oh yeah, there's some nominations, and then there's an award show. I mean, you know, the Golden Globes for a while weren't even on TV. Right. Now, you know, they've become a huge star-studded event. And the SAG Awards are relatively new. I mean, they've been around, me. I want to say, 20 years. But they are, again, I don't think they were on TV until about six, seven years ago. So now you have this whole, like I said, this whole awards season for these actors. And look, it's a great and privileged life. But it's kind of a grind, you know. they they got to spend about eight weeks <laughs> right. typing their films. And, and if you don't campaign, it's like being a political candidate. If you're not out there, you know, working the voters and making the appearances on the shows and all that kind of stuff, you're not going to win. Hand- as the Time's Up Me Too movement, will that have an influence on the way the voting is done this year? Well, I think we actually saw one you know, prime example of it having an influence, and that's the fact that James Franco didn't get nominated for Best Actor for The Disaster Artist. You know, yeah. He won Best Actor Golden Globe just a few weeks ago, but that was the night we first started hearing some you know, allegations, and we should stress that's all they are, they're allegations, but there's some stories out there. And, uh, you know, I think that did probably influence some academy. You've got to remember, like, it's academy membership. You know, they want, they want everything to reflect well on their industry. And I do think some voters thought, well, if we nominate James Franco, that means we got a problem on Oscar night. Because now we got maybe protests about, of him being there, maybe on the red carpet. There's some uncomfortable moments. Maybe he gets booed inside the, the theater. So Denzel Washington got nominated. I, I do think that was the kind of, I don't want to say replacement, but that was kind of a surprise. He's a great actor, but people were not talking about Roman J. Israel Esquire as an Oscar contender or Denzel's performance and on the blue his name was announced and James Franco's wasn't. Speaking of replacements have you ever seen anything like it where an actor in this case Kevin Spacey was removed from all the money in the world and Christopher Plummer quickly replaced him? Yeah it's unprecedented you know there have been a a few cases over the years uh, Jim where you know actors have uh, you know, where an actor has passed away and then, you know, they've used voiceover or stand-ins or things like that for a couple of scenes. Uh, but nothing like this, nothing like where they actually went back and did reshoots and, you know, famously had to pay some of the actors got paid more than others. But, uh, you know, I actually saw some of the, some of the scenes with Kevin Spacey, uh, as, uh, uh John Paul Getty, and I have to say, he's a great actor, but he looked like Kevin Spacey with a lot of old man makeup. Christopher Plummer, who's in his 80s, you know, he's playing a guy who was in his late 70s at the time, actually kind of has a physical resemblance to him, and I think it was better casting, quite frankly, you know, regardless of the controversy and, and the scandal, that Christopher Plummer, you know, he's a great actor, a really popular uh, figure, not only here, but of course, you know, in Great Britain. So it's unprecedented, but not only is he nominated, I think he's got a real chance to win. And it's interesting, too, because I think Spacey has at least a couple more films coming out. Will those just be shut down at this point? Yeah, he 
um, he does. He had a he had a, a smaller role, I think, in one film, and then he had the lead. And I, I, I want to say it was a, a Netflix film, and that's never going to see the light of day. You know, and, and those are films that were completed, and they're not going to go back and reshoot those. I think they'll just, you know, maybe one day they'll surface online, but you know, they're never going to get released. Okay, so the Oscar nominations are out. We don't have a lot of time, but let's start with Best Picture. Who do you see? It's interesting, because there was nine nominees this year. You know, you could have as many as ten under the newer rules. So with nine nominees, the, the possibility of an upset's a little stronger, because the votes obviously can get spread out. Uh, I still think three billboards outside having Missouri as the favorite. It was my pick as the best picture of the year as well, Jim. I think it's just great. Yeah. But, you know, when you're filling out your Oscar pool, that's the one of best picture. You know, you look at something like Lady Bird or Get Out, these smaller independent films, and it wouldn't be the biggest upset in history if a film like that's kind of sneaked through in one best picture. When you're talking best actress, and you mentioned it, three billboards, Frances McDormand is just stunning in everything she does. It w- would she be your pick? Yeah. Is. And I think not only, you know, again, you know, it's one of those cases where will win and should win are, are the same thing. She won for Fargo. That was, gosh, 20 years ago, believe it or not. Uh, but in three billboards, I think it's the, it's the best performance of a great career. It's one of those movies five, ten minutes into it. You're like, well, this is the best picture nominee and that's the best actress nominee. She's that good in it. And it's, you know, it's the kind of role the Academy really embraces because it's, it's drama, it's comedy, it's everything. And she knocks it out of the park. Richard Roper joins us. Staying with that film, I think this was Sam Rockwell's best performance of his career, and, and he's up for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, and we were just talking about Christopher Plummer. This is the other you know, uh, contender, probably even the favorite right now, Sam Rockwell, who's a, you know, an interesting actor. He's so good that I don't think he gets credit sometimes because he's played so many different types. And he's a very likable guy in real life, but he usually plays jerks, <laughs> punks, you know, and as he does at Three Billboards, but there's more to that character. So it's kind of great seeing him get a lot of recognition. Uh, he certainly has a chance to win uh, for Best Supporting Actor. I know he's already won, you know, Golden Globe and, and SAG Awards. So. But it's nice to see an actor like that. A lot, he's one of those you know, actors where a lot of people go, oh, I like that guy. What's that guy's name? You know, and that, now people know his name. What about the actress in uh, Best Supporting Role? You know, interesting category this year for best supporting actress. Um, I, you know, I think I think that's one that's still pretty open. Allison Janney's been getting a lot of uh, a lot of accolades for her role as uh, Tanya Harding's mother in High Tanya, and she's really good in it. But you know, the supporting actress is that category that historically has been the category for upsets. You know, whether it's been Marissa Tomei or Mira Sorvino, good actresses, but people did not expect them to win. So that's the one where something sometimes a little funky might happen. Uh, all, all five nominees are very strong, but uh, I'm not so sure Allison Janney's a lock yet to win that. And by the way, everybody seems to love Gary Oldman for Best Actor, don't they, for The Darkest Hour? Yeah, I think Gary Oldman is probably the closest thing to a lock. Uh, he's only been nominated once before. And when you think about all the great performances going all the way back to Sid and Nancy, I mean, he's one of our best actors. Actors. And it's also, you know, the Academy for some, they love the Brits, as you know, they love the British actors. He's playing, you know, one of the most influential and famous figures of the 20th century. They love the biopics. And he's also great in the role. I mean, if you didn't know it was Gary Oldman, you wouldn't recognize him as Churchill. I mean, the makeup, 
in the performance. He disappears into the character. It's not an impersonation. It's much better than that. It's, it's, it's maybe the best performance of his career. I think he's definitely in the lock to win Best Actor. You know that film, The Florida Project? I've never seen a movie where I felt like I was watching a documentary more than this one. It was just amazing, really. Yeah, Jim, that's a great point. I felt the same way. I mean, if, if you didn't see Willem Dafoe in there, it was a pretty well-known actor. Right. You really could, you know, completely, until he shows up, it really does feel like a documentary. And, and most of the uh, the child actors and even the, the young women in the movie were not trained actors, had not done much, if anything, in their careers. So that even made it seem more so. But it was so good, but it was almost, didn't it almost make you feel uncomfortable watching Ye- something? Yes, TV? yes, it, it did. So much like a documentary. Yeah. And you wanted to call, you know, child services. <laughs> you know, you're so busy with the movies, but there's so much great TV now on HBO, Showtime, Amazon, and all the other plat. Do you have time to watch any of that stuff? Yeah, you know, that's kind of what I try to do when I want to get away, you know, like anybody else. I, I miss out on some of the great TV shows because they're just so many hours in the day. But I'm like everybody else, you know, I'll sit down and uh, I just binge watched uh, Ozark recently. You're a great and, show. You know, I'm a huge fan of, yeah, right? And, and Stranger Things. But you're right. There are so many great shows out there. And honestly, a lot of these shows, like, for example, of course, Game of Thrones. Every episode of Game of Thrones is essentially a $15 million motion picture. I mean, it's yeah. more than an hour long. It's shot like a movie. And quite frankly, a lot of these series are better than the average movie because television has become the go-to medium for actors, especially when actors get a little bit older and they get kind of moved aside by Hollywood. So you see all these great actresses in particular, whether it's uh, Jessica Lange or Holly Hunter or Glenn Close, you know, uh, look at, you know, Big Little Lies with Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman. I mean, great actresses. And it's all about the writing, whereas movies are all about the special effects and the directing. But these TV shows, it's first and foremost about the great writing. Yeah, another one, by the way, is Godless, if you haven't gotten to that yet with Jeff Daniels. You know what? I love him, and thanks for that recommendation. i got to put that on my list. It's always great to talk to you, Richard, and I encourage everybody to go to uh, check out the reviews at richardroper.com. And I know how much you love that film with Jessica Chastain. Yeah, Molly's Game, which, of course, you know, <laughs> talk about a, you know, a Vegas-centric, although a lot of it's set in Los Angeles or New York, but it's all about you know, the real-life story of uh, the woman who ran the biggest uh, uh, private poker game in the country. And uh, I think Jessica Chastain is as good as any actor out there and I love the book and I was just so pleased to see that they did a great job with the movie. Aaron Sorkin who of course has done everything from A Few Good Men to The Social Network. He was yes. the writer-director on Molly's Game. He got nominated for screenplay for Molly's Game and uh, justifiably so. Chicago Sun-Times movie critic Richard Roper, nice to talk to you and uh, we'll check back and see how your predictions do. Great to talk to you, Richard. Uh, anytime, Jim. Alright, bye-bye. I have to agree with most of Richard's picks and as far as TV having such great product now an example of what he was saying. I just heard that Meryl Streep is joining the already stellar cast of Big Little Lies. Well, that puts the wraps on this episode of The Fake Show. Check out our Facebook and Twitter pages for more info. I'm Jim Tofty, and thank you so much for listening. Take The Fake Show with you at thefakeshow.com, SoundCloud, and at iTunes. <laughs>